Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you are listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And welcome, my friends, to the 150th episode of No Sleep Till Sudbury. Wow. This milestone came up in me pretty quick. It seems like we just celebrated the 100th episode not long ago. As I did with the 100th episode, for number 150, I endeavored to go back through the last 49 episodes we just did and pull out some material that I thought was especially representative of what we try to do here on the show. And that's generate some meaningful, interesting musical conversation, along with, of course, the requisite laughs and tears that come along with that, some interesting facts thrown in, and also some really incredible musical performances. All of this, of course, compliments of the wonderful guests that I've been fortunate enough to have on the show. Of course, we don't have time to showcase all of those moments in one episode. There are a lot of them. Uh, But I did try to jam as many as I possibly could into this episode without having it run too long. So, without any further ado, this is the 150th episode celebration of a podcast that I wasn't sure would make it past 25 episodes at some points. All right, let's get right into it. And let's start off with some interesting facts. This is Stingray Media VP Steve Jones from episode 130, sharing an interesting fact about that strange laugh that we hear at the beginning of police song, Roxanne. In my speaking engagements, sometimes I'll talk about the need to embrace screwing up more. Mm. You know, we're a perfectionist society. We don't embrace mistakes enough. And uh, I'll take people down the path of uh, the police recording Roxanne. You know, if you listen to Roxanne by the police about five or seven seconds in, there's an off-key, completely misplaced piano note. It, it makes no sense in the structure of the song. And immediately after, you hear a laughing voice. And then two yes. or three seconds later, Sting, Sting starts, starts to sing. Well, the story is he was in the vocal booth, about to sing the vocal track, and his ass hit the piano. No. And he laughed. And then he started to sing, thinking, well, when they go to put the song together in the, in the editing process, they'll just take out the laughter, take out the piano. But they, they played it back and they thought, this is so cool. That, and they left it in. And the story I tell with that is that, you know, I've now ruined Roxanne for some people because every time they hear it, they will now have to hear that piano note. And they'll have to think about Sting's ass hitting that piano. <laughs> this next little bit is from episode number 122 and it's Twisted Sisters, J.J. French. This was his third appearance on the show, and he's always a great guest because he blends humor, insight, sentiment into his appearances. And uh, the the clip, of course, is a little bit of insight, but it's mostly <laughs> really funny. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories told on the show. You got to check it out. I was on a motorcycle. The last time I was on a motorcycle, as a matter of fact, was 50 years ago this summer. My friend had just bought a hot, meaning stolen, Triumph. <laughs> Bonneville, and we were wasted, like fucked up, because we're always, I should always just say it's the 60s, which means we're just always stoned. Unless I tell you we're not stoned, assume we were stoned. <laughs> so we were so wrecked, and we're on this motorcycle, and we're traveling down Broadway on the way to actually see the movie Hell's Angel 69. This is a true story. This okay. is a true story, because I recently had dinner with the guy who's riding the bike who said that was me who was driving. I forgot who was on the bike, and it was him. And there's a, you know, we're heading down the Upper West Side, and we get to some street and the light turns red and there's a VW and it's, it's stopped at the light. And so I'm thinking, cause I'm on the back of this bike, the guy who's driving the bike will hit the brake because, you know, otherwise we plow into this VW at the light, you know, when they're getting closer and closer, he's not hitting the brake. Lo and behold, he doesn't hit the brake. We smash into the back of, 
of this VW and we go flying across the street. Now, I wasn't wearing a helmet. and Luckily, I didn't land on my head. I would have died. Being in New York, only in New York could this happen. We were on a stolen bike, right? We were on a bike that was stolen. That he just bought it from a junkie. We hit a car being driven by two guys. They get out of the car and they go, man, are you okay? We said, I think so. And the guy goes, good, man. Like, can we leave? And I said, why? He says, we just stole this car. <laughs> so we don't want the cops to come. You know, only in New York can, two, can there be a car accident on the corner and everybody runs. <laughs> that was the 60s in New York. For episode number 129, singer-songwriter Jessica Ray brought her entire Ramshackle Parade Band into the studio, five musicians in total. And it was the first time I'd ever hosted more than two guests at once, so I admit that I was a little bit nervous about how it was going to turn out. But Jessica and her band were a great bunch of people. I really enjoyed it, not to mention amazing musicians. They made it really easy for me. So here they are doing a Dylan cover. Great performance. I love these guys. Check it out. Are you guys ready to play a song for us? Yep. Awesome. All right. Take it away. One, two. Before he can hear people cry 
And how many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? Oh, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. The answer, my friend, is blowing. Well done. That was fantastic. That was tremendous, you guys. Thank you. Really good job. Those harmonies are amazing. Yeah, we love to do that. So just after the 100th episode, I had two really great musical conversations. One was a pretty deep one with Dr. Jillian Turnbull, author and professor at Ryerson University, and it was from episode number 104. The other one was with legendary Canadian singer-songwriter Murray McLaughlin in the following episode, number 105. And both really captured the essence of what I'd always hoped to do when I first started thinking about doing this podcast. I don't know what it is. It just makes my skin vibrate every single time I hear it. Wow. Um, There's a song called Rental Love Uh by a band called Lake Street Dive. Oh. Do you know them? Yeah, yeah. So listen to that song, Jill. Okay. And at the very end, listen to the way that she delivers that last line. Okay. Chokes you up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So do you have like emotional associations with these songs or it's purely the music for you? Sometimes. It's, you know, there's a song like that um, called Handbags and Glad Rags. Okay. Do you know that song? No. It's kind of a classic. So. Okay. And just something about the way that the chords move together. Yeah. I, I, I can't describe what happens, but it just kind of breaks me up. Hmm. It's, it's got nothing to do with the lyrics. The lyrics are about, you know, some grandfather telling his granddaughter about clothing or whatever it's just completely irrelevant yeah but like the way that the chords move yeah just does something to me okay yeah yeah incredible see and i like when you can't fully explain it too Mm -hmm. because it's especially in my line of work that's all we endeavor to do is just it's almost like squashing somebody's emotional reaction by saying well it's actually just (laughs) you know these chords or or this timbre or whatever that you're hearing and it's not our intent necessarily, but it has that effect, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So when you just can't get at why something moves you. Yeah. Yeah. You jogged all these memories down. Like I have so many of these. So I yeah. can take the show over now. No, do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is uh, this is the position I like to be in. Like I, I like interviewing. <laughs> but what, one more, Send in the Clowns. Oh, really? you remember that song. So when yeah. I was a kid, and, and this makes perfect sense because in my last book, I really took a good hard look at why I felt the way that I did about certain songs. Okay. Without just kind of saying, oh, it makes me sad. It's kind of weird. Like I really kind of thought about where I was in my life and how I was living. Yeah. And so forth. And sending the clowns, I was probably about eight years old and I saw it on the American Music Awards or whatever it was. It's yeah. award show. And it, 
you know, they, they dramatize these things by playing them out, right? They have right. actors kind of, and Barbara Streisand, I think, or somebody was performing it. I don't know who, but it was like at the very end, this, this little clown yeah. was by himself and there's like a single spotlight shining on him. Oh. And it was like, I remember being so sad oh. watching this. And so, you know, it, it just triggers something in you. So every time you hear that song afterwards, it's like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. And you can't really shake it. Mm -hmm. But you learn so much about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, when you really go through and listen to those songs and think about where you were in your life. Right. And where your head was at. Yeah. And it's it can be a very hard thing to do mm -hmm. to make yourself revisit those periods, especially I think if it involves something like empathy or sadness. Yeah. Like feeling for somebody else is mm -hmm. almost worse than feeling for yourself. Absolutely. Perhaps way more worse. Yeah. 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 No, well said. You're right. And to your point, you know, the point you made earlier about maybe never knowing why, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the, the it, it's like the, the, the journey versus the destination. Right. Right. Yeah. You just want to feel it. Exactly. Yeah. Be there with it and then let it go. Yeah. And just, and that's the great thing about music too, is it's always temporal, right? So you can be in it and then be out of it. That's right. In the way that like looking at a piece of art doesn't facilitate the same way. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the edge music has. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, exactly. So true. Yeah. Deep. Super deep. <laughs> Where does this come from? I don't know. But this is the ethos of the show. This is the essence right. of the show yeah yeah exactly so great yeah and you can't stage this stuff right no not at all i'm no. so glad that we kind of came down into this me too yeah yeah and and yeah like i think for things like this i was telling you at the beginning you know i didn't really prepare all that much today but i often over prepare because mm -hmm. i worry that i'll run out of things to say yeah i don't know maybe that doesn't ever happen but <laughs> i'm glad i didn't today yeah it's like XL on main street Jill. Spontaneity. It wasn't. That's right. Yeah. You know, it was just what you what you hear is what you get. It was dirty and it was raw and it was real. And it was great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it doesn't have a lot of stupid studio schnorr on it. <laughs> you know, the seventies were a horrible period for recording. Generally speaking, really? the eighties were worse. I was yeah. going to say the eighties were really yeah, bad. Yeah, because you know you get like everything in the rack would go on the uh, record. Yeah. Basically, you know, you get digital delay, yeah. and sweep and. Gack, you know. with reverb on everything yeah i mean yeah. i i listened to records that i made in the 80s and just i want to shoot myself right i know <laughs> but how could you have known that's the thing yeah you don't i would ask you that so as a as a you started in i want to say 71 right yeah roughly yeah so going into the 80s what was that like you think about so many bands and i think about you know people like alice cooper Hart, cheap trick all those seventies, you know, rockish bands. But what was it like to go into the eighties and have, you know, all of the the reverb and the big hair and all of the the, the excess as an artist? It was uh, like a transition time for pe people like myself mm -hmm. um, because a very abrupt change happened in the popular music world. Right. You know, for one, to really oversimplify it, it was kind of the end of the era of the singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you didn't have Jackson Brown, James Taylor, or me. Yeah. You had The Clash. Yeah. You know, it was like the another British invasion. Yeah. And suddenly, like, everybody was into, what did they call it at the time? New Wave, yes. I think they called it. New Romanticism. 
And of course, then punk was rearing its ugly head. There was, you know, the Ramones coming out of New York. There was CBJBs. There was all that stuff. And, yep. and suddenly that was now and we were past. But, you know, I, I, my observation is that, you know, for a while I kind of chafed against it, I think, because I, I mean, I like good songs. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and that you know, doesn't mean that they weren't being produced and that they're not being produced now. But, um, you know, when I would hear a writer like a Loudon Wainwright the third or, when I would hear the quality of a writer like like a John Prine, for instance, mm. that's literature yes. put, put to music. I mean, they're they're great writers. Yeah, and the idea that people like that couldn't, you know, find a a larger audience, or you know, again, I was soldiering pretty hard myself. It was also for me. This is kind of a long winded way of putting it. I'll try to keep it short, but. You know, one of the reasons that guys like me or Bruce Coburn rose up uh, was because we came along at the advent of a particular era in technology when FM radio came online. Right. You know, all the big broadcasters bought FM frequencies, but all the money's in AM radio. That's where the advertising <laughs> is. So we just, we'll just buy these. We don't know what to do with them, but what the heck. So they put some, you know, guy like Reiner Schwartz, you know, to sit up all night and, you know, smoke reefer and spin records for insomniac college students who were cramming for exams right so as a result these guys would play whatever they want to they played it all night and all day they played whole sides of records yeah and if they liked you know bruce Coburn's new record then they'd go here's the new bruce Coburn record they'd play the whole thing (sighs) and they'd play it back to back with you know the new i don't know jethro tull record or pentangle or whoever happened to be coming up and the really Interesting effect was that Canadian audiences in particular didn't draw the line between the music that was coming out of Great Britain or the United States or Canada because that wasn't stressed. Mm. It was an equal playing field. Yeah. So suddenly, you know, guys like Bruce Coburn were going out playing university concerts, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, just like real stars. (laughs) So um, that era that, that was really, you know, there was a kind of a nascent nationalism Mm-hmm. I think behind it, like a sort of a cultural element of revolution, and there really wasn't much of a line between, you know, Quebec and the and rock, you know, R O C. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I was hanging out with guys like Robert Charlebois. Okay. And we saw each other as basically doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, we had nice loud bands and fuzzy hair, and went out and adopted a posture of rebellion. Yep. But I think what. What dismayed me as we moved towards the end of the 80s into the 80s and, and towards the end of the 80s was watching music develop silos again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's like it started to become tribal. You know, I, I love country music. I mean, it has to be country music. It can't be like some kind of watered down version of California rock. <laughs> But, you know, I, I love Claude Debussy. I love jazz. I yep. love all kinds of different music. But, like, it's – nowadays it's like if you love jazz, you can't possibly like classical music. Yeah. You know, you're in a tribe. Yes. Like your politics or something. You know, that's sort of an element of, of music marketing is a I – don't, I don't like that kind of division. I, I really like eclectic and I like people to be able to hear and appreciate yeah. a lot of different kinds of things. I think that slotting and that factioning, you know, came to be because people wanted to make money. So they said, you know, this is what hard rock is and it is not this or this or this because these things are different. And if you want to yeah. buy those, so, you know, well, and that, how that many kinds shame. of metal are there? 
Well, it gets silly, <laughs> right? It just gets silly. Yeah. Thrash metal, death metal, wow, whatever. Yeah. And then there was grunge. What the hell is that? You wear a plaid shirt and, you know, and then you sing the verses really soft. And then you play the choruses really loud. <laughs> you know, that's what grunge, I don't know. I have no idea what it is. All right, next up are two of my favorite No Sleep Till Sudbury moments, not just of the past 50 episodes, but of the entire history of the show. They're both musical performances. And the first one is from episode 125, where Julian Taylor surprised me by playing an old song of his that I had told him I loved from his days fronting a band called Staggered Crossing. Now, he was in to promote his new record, and he could have easily played a song from it, but he chose instead to play an acoustic version of Further Again, that song I was just talking about. And I was really moved by that. It was a special performance for me. The last time I'd heard it was probably about 20 years ago. So that's one. The second moment is from episode 137, the second show of the two Christmas episodes I do every year with Rick Emmett. Now we do these in Rick's home studio, which is obviously a big deal for me as a Triumph fan, but for this episode, he actually learned a new Christmas song specifically to play on this show, which was incredibly cool of him to do. He's a great guy. So here they are, two great moments two fantastic performances. I'll do a little acoustic version of this one. Hitting out on the 401 Gonna make you nervous a bus stop, a truck stop, and everything Just to keep me running I got my life on the line right now Can't you hear me come? A bus stop, a truck stop, and everything Just to keep me running Ah, I can't even remember it <laughs> See, I told you, I was going to try Oh well I can, uh, I'll do sweeter for you. Okay. I remember that one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. No, thanks anyway, man. That was great. Each pass, each pass, and you it's a new Oh, I do remember it. Oh, great. Oh, I'll try. Okay. All right. Okay, great. I do remember it. Perfect. I doubt myself. <laughs> should never doubt yourself, Julie. Hitting out on the 401 Don't make you nervous A bus stop, a truck stop And everything Just to keep me running I got my life on the line right now Can't you hear me coming A bus stop, a truck stop And everything Just to keep me running Passing minutes, new fat tear Playing its toll on my work I'm going further again Let me in, let me out Let me shake it all about Let me love it Let me in, let me out Let me shake it all about Let me love it Let me in 
me shake it out of bed and let me love it. They blew a house up on the hills just to get me down, babe. That was all that you wrote. I'm going further again. Heading out on the 115, gonna make you wonder. Champagne and cigarettes and everything, just to keep me under. I got my life on the line right now. Can't you hear me coming? A bus stop, a truck stop, and everything, just to keep me running. Past minutes, a new fat tear. Planets tall on my work. I'm going further again. Let me in, let me out, let me shake it all about, let me love it. Let me in, let me out, let me shake it all about, let me love it. Let me. Shake it out of bed Let me love it They blew a house up on the hill Just to get me down They said It's all that you wrote I'm going further again Minutes, a new fat tear. Planets tall on my work. I'm going further again. Let me in, let me out, let me shake it all about. Let me love it. Let me in, let me out, let me shake it all about. Let me love it. Let me in, let me out, let me shake it all about, let me love it. They blew a hassle up on the hill just to get me down, and I said, Well, I need a screwdriver, I need you, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. <laughs> yes dude you just made my month yay that... i didn't do the riff but i like playing it on the acoustic oh, that's fantastic it sounds great thanks man well done thank, thank you, you so much i really appreciate that <laughs> that is so awesome i appreciate it awesome are we getting towards that now where I'm going to perform to we are. call this to a, a conclusion here? Yes. So we can finish with that. Part one. If you will indulge us, playing River, James Taylor version. That's yeah. perfect, actually. I'll try not to. Yeah? Yeah. Guitar level's good? Okay. So um, I'll see if I can get through this. <laughs> this will be funny if I can do it. 
<laughs> okay. So it starts with Good King Wenceslas. Awesome! Thank you so much for doing that. I made it without without uh, without a clam. There's no clams to edit out uh, there. It was, it was a couple of it's rough gonna be, spots, it's but be an easy edit. <laughs> <laughs>
At least I don't have to try and play it again. Shall we take a little break? Let's take a little break. A cup of tea. We'll come back down and do part two. Yeah. All right. Great. When the podcast first started 149 episodes ago in April of 2017, the format was a little bit different. So I had asked guests to give me 10 songs that made their skin vibrate, sent to me a few days in advance. Things have changed a lot since then. Some guests send them last minute. Some show up with their lists. Some guests just don't have lists at all. Friends of the show, Kevin Como from Crownlands and singer Susie Corey are old pros when it comes to being on the show. And so those things tend to be pretty loose when they drop by. Check it out. This is them in episodes 128 and 140, respectively. Brent Jensen, you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today, in the studio, he just dropped in, it's Crownlands guitarist, Mr. Kevin Como, my pal. How are you, sir? I'm good, Brent. How are you, man? Great. Awesome. It's good to have you. This kind of just came together at the last minute. Yeah, uh, things often do with me. Um, uh, it's, you, know, <laughs> you think you're doing one thing and then you realize you're doing another. And so here we are. This is, uh, it's nice to be back, man. We are about to do something that I've never done before. That kind of sounds dramatic, but um, Susie Corey is here. Hello. And uh, we did not, um, you, just, you just sent me songs like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I'd like to keep you on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> so your songs are on my phone. Well, I said we're in the same boat because I just decided on these songs. I don't even remember what I sent you. <laughs> oh, what? You're completely flouting the rules of my show. You're such a... I like spontaneity. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go along with it this one time. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So you have five songs that you just texted me about uh, 10 minutes ago here <laughs> to explain your last song. What was my last song? <laughs> you don't even know. See, you don't even know what your songs are. <laughs> Wait a second. I remember. What was it? Give me a clue. So the band wears makeup. There's a Kiss. Mask. Oh, my God. Okay, yes. I was made for loving you. Black Crow drummer Steve Gorman was recently on the show for episode number 147. We may have ended up talking more about his favorite Canadian TV shows than we did actually talking about songs. I mean, his skin vibrate. Check it out. Now, I have a question for you. I, I read the book. We're going to talk about the book in, in a second, Hard to Handle, The Life and Death of the Black Crows. Now, I read it, and I saw that you made a reference to SCTV. How do you know about SCTV down there? Oh, I, I, was, I, I, I was watching SCTV clips on my phone last night with my brother. Um, <laughs> we found SCTV when it was on PBS. 30 minutes a night on Sunday nights when I was probably 12 or 13. And then it made the jump to the NBC show on Friday night. Uh, you know, I was the kind of kid in a small town in Kentucky who proudly went to school every Monday telling everyone Saturday Night Live sucked and that TV was where it was at. <laughs> That's great. You don't hear that? Oh, you don't man, hear that I, a lot. Uh, I reference stuff from the old SCTV show on a very regular basis. And in fact, I have a question for you, which I love to ask and torture any Canadian I know with, which is if you're, you know, gun to your head, SCTV or Kids in the Hall? Oh, good question. Uh, I got to go with SCTV cause, um, because of Bob and Doug. I love Bob and Doug. Oh, fair enough. But you, that's the easiest anyone's ever answered it. It's usually an existential meltdown on the other <laughs> end of the phone. So we, kudos it, to you, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. 
Musician and writer from the Boston area, Bob Mayo, is a favorite guest of mine. One of the reasons for that is that he's been so courageous and authentic in sharing some of the struggles that he's endured in his early life and how music helped him through those struggles. And we've had some really great conversations about that as a result. In episode 145, Bob surprised me by saying that our conversations actually inspired him to do something really special. And this left me feeling stunned, honored, impressed, and certainly very moved all at the same time. Here's Bob to explain. We were, uh, we were just talking about this. You recently gave a very inspiring talk at MIT. And uh, I want to talk about that before we get into your songs here. Can you take me through it? Yeah. Um, well, I was invited to address a class at MIT. Mm-hmm. There's a, a woman named Mary Church. She had a radio show, a metal show um, on WEMF. I did her show a few times, co-hosted it with her once. And she was invited to MIT to speak, and she thought it would be fun to do it together. So she asked me if I would speak at the event with her. Mm-hmm. I think that, again, what she was expecting was me to talk about my band, Orgasm. And initially, that's what I, I intended to do as well. But I really felt like I had something to say about metal in general. And uh, it was kind of an opportunity for me to express a lot of things that have sort of been roiling around my head for a couple of years uh, as an adult. You, know, you look back at, at your early life and you, you see things a little bit differently and you start to get grateful uh, and you really appreciate where you are and what you've been through. And uh, I was just in that kind of a, a zone at the time. So I thought that that was a perfect opportunity for me to discuss the therapeutic aspect of metal. I know from reading your stuff, Brent, you can relate to this. When you, teenagers go through that adolescent period of feeling lost and lonely, mm-hmm. you know, isolated, they really, they're looking for something to, to self-medicate with, really. And Obviously, some people use drugs and alcohol. I used heavy metal. It really, it really got me through some very difficult times. I used my time at MIT to speak about that, about the therapeutic aspects and what metal has done for me in my life and the confidence it's given me and the opportunities that it's brought me and the, the opportunity to rise above some really difficult situations in my childhood. It was, it was a very gratifying experience to, to be able to share that with people. A lot of people there were probably expecting the orgasm guy, the heavy metal dude, and what they got was was not exactly that. It, it was very interesting for me in that way to kind of bust that bubble and still get through to everybody on a, on a but on a completely different level. Mm-hmm. It was a once in a lifetime experience. It was really a high point in my journey. I really appreciate it. Now I have to say, I found much of the confidence to do all that from talking to you on this podcast, Brent. Oh, wow. When we have talked, we have sat here and chatted about music and about what it means to us, which is really the core idea of this podcast, what music can mean to people and how it can move you emotionally and and reach inside and touch people. That really put me in touch with those thoughts and feelings that I've had. Like I said, the the idea, uh, I have a blog that I write in regularly, and Mm -hmm. I was considering maybe doing something in the blog based on speaking with you, because when this stuff kind of got woken up with me, 
after speaking with you, it just didn't go away. It seemed like a really good idea. It seemed like a really important idea that I ought to pursue. And then uh, a few months back, this MIT opportunity came up and I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. That's where I'm going to do it. And and I did. And, and I have to thank you for being the piece of, of connection out there that really kind of sparked this experience for me, which was really life affirming and a fantastic thing. Well, Bob, it's my honor. I'm touched. You've been through a lot of stuff. You know, people who don't know your your background and your upbringing, you've you've had some very very significant challenges. You should be very proud of yourself. I'm I'm honored that that you uh, would even attach me to that. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Wow. Being moved by music is obviously uh, an important cornerstone that the No Sleep Till Sudbury Podcast Foundation was built on, and a great many guests have gotten emotional and even welled up when talking about how much music means to them, demonstrating that emotional investment that so many of us make in music. And this is what the show really is all about. It's, it's about celebrating that idea. And every now and again, I get caught up in it too, as I did in episode number 112, when Blair Packham joined me on the show and played a song that has a very profound effect on me. I'm not doing a lot of talking in this clip because of the effect the song has on me. And if you listen closely to the very end of the clip, I'm actually so choked up that I have a difficult time doing the outro. That's the power of music, folks. Have a listen. Uh, I'm going to give you a little plug here. I saw you play a Dylan tune a couple weeks ago at Hughes Room. Just you and the guitar, you, you played To Make You Feel My Love. Right. And I, my skin vibrated. I got choked up. Oh, Thank you very much. That's, you know, I, I think about what my purpose is. Like, I think when I teach young songwriters, their purpose in playing songs, writing songs, playing songs, performing, it's all about them. Mm. And, I, and I know I was like that too, by the way. But it's all about like their self-expression. I ask them, why do you write songs? And they say, well, it's self-expression. Some say for therapy. Mm. And I think, yeah, but it's to be heard, mm -hmm. which implies a whole other thing, you know. Like, if it's just self-expression, do it in your room at home. Right. Like, why play for other people? No, it's to be heard. It is. And why to be heard? Because you're trying to communicate something. And what are you trying to communicate? A thought or an emotion, usually an emotion. That's Sometimes it. Sometimes both. But you're trying to communicate something. And that song, To Make You Feel My Love, for me, that was, you know, I lost my girlfriend last year. And uh, we had a complicated relationship at times. But I loved her. I really, really loved her. To me... When I was pining for her at the beginning of our relationship, to me, that song is about her and wanting her. And the song kind of tries to... Do you mind if I play a little bit? Please do. When the wind is blowing in your face And the whole world is on your case I can offer you a warm embrace To make you feel my love When the evening shadows and the stars appear and There's no one there to dry your tears I can hold you for a million years. I, I don't need to play the whole song. It's just, to me, it's, it's a pitch. Sing, person singing the song is saying, I can do all these things for you. You know, the bridge is, uh, um, 
I know you haven't made your mind up yet But I would never do you wrong I've known it from the moment that we met No doubt in my mind where you belong I could make you happy, make your dreams come true I'd go crawling down the avenue Go to the ends of the earth for you To make you feel my love To make you feel my love And I'm crying now, so that song is very meaningful to me, and thank you for your compliment. Because as I say, I relate to it personally. It's amazing, you know. You know, it's it's amazing the power of music and the power of song. The thing I love the most about music is that it enables us to share our emotional identities with each other. Yeah, music is a very very powerful thing, and and uh, I'm so glad to be here to talk about it with you as as we've done before. I'm very glad to have you. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much for playing and for. Just for being you, my friend. Oh, I Thank appreciate you. you saying that. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my friend, Mr. Blair Brocken. Till next time, take good care. All right, this has been a lot of fun. I have one more clip for you before we wrap things up here. It's a performance from a musician. His name is Jordan Paul, a special talent singing a special song. It's called Night Moon. Definitely music that makes my skin vibrate. As always, folks, a very sincere and heartfelt thank you for your support to my listeners in Canada, the U.S., the U.K., all over the world. It's been a joy. Thanks for listening. Please reach out to me anytime on social media. I'd love to hear from you. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen. Till next time, folks, take good care.
Baby. 